0: Middle East so uh, as we welcome you, Andy the, we, the time's gone on a bit you just preach what you have to bring the kids will come in at quarter past but you're used to chaos so that'll be that'll be fine shall we welcome Andy thank you so much it's really great really great to be here with you guys um, to sense the spirit of God amongst you as a church. I love uh, that you call what you do in other nations exporting hope. That's just such a fantastic kind of picture, really, of being a blessing to many different places. My prayer is that you continue to export hope to many places beyond Worcester, beyond the UK, not through Richard and Alex and Dima, but others of you as well as God leads, seeking the opportunity to be a blessing in other parts of our beautiful world. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to look at uh, Scripture together uh, from the Gospel of John. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be today in John 8 and John 9. Uh, But let me pray, and then we're going to be looking at these passages together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for this church, for, for the sense of your Holy Spirit, for the joy of breaking bread together and sharing our lives with one another. And um, we just pray, come Holy Spirit, now be our teacher. We open up our hearts. We want to see you, Lord. Open the eyes of our hearts, I pray, that we might see wonderful things in your words, that we might see you more. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray each one of us here encounters your truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I just feel there's someone sitting in this uh, section over here, and I'd love to pray for you uh, after the meeting, please. There's someone sitting in this section here. You have a scalp irritation, so you've got a, uh, either an infection or an irritation, a problem with your scalp, your hair. Um, I wouldn't know what that feels like, but, <laughs> um, but I'd love to pray for you, please, at the end of the meeting. Uh, I also feel there's someone here today, or maybe uh, a few people. And the picture that I saw for you is um, deep inside you in that dark place that other people don't see, a question mark. And, and I just felt there's, there's a, a, two or three people here today, and you've got a deep question. It's not just a head question, it's not just a, oh, I wonder, but it's a deep question about who you are about your identity, about where you fit. And it's like it's burning inside you. You can almost feel it burning with anxiety inside you. And again, if that's you or a few of you, we'd love to pray for you at the end of the meeting. And I I feel the Lord would want to speak to you and speak into that question mark. Is that okay? So I would love to do that at the end of the meeting. Um, We're gonna. We're going to be in in John's gospel today, uh, chapter 8 and chapter 9, and um, what we're going to see here is that Jesus, in chapter 8, he says something, he makes a statement, and then in chapter 9, he acts it out, he demonstrates it. And this happens a lot in John. Uh, The other three gospels were written much earlier, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They were written much earlier, and they're much more uh, about a history, like Capturing what Jesus did and who he was and, and telling it in a strict way. Whereas John was written much later, and he must have read the other three Gospels and thought, these are great, but maybe there's a better way of saying some of these things. And John really is a bit of a poet. Uh, and, and if you read John, it's, it's very well crafted, it's very kind of beautiful and lyrical. And it's like he came to it later and said, I'm going to say the same things as those guys. But it's like he's saying, they were quite boring and just like reading a newspaper. Whereas I'm going to give you like art. I think today, you know, John probably would have been like a grime artist or something. Like put it out there in a lyrical, beautiful way that people can understand. That's how I understand the gospel of John. And one of the things he does is he, he, he loves the number seven. So he uses the number seven all the time. And it's like, for John, it's like the perfect number. The world was made in seven days. God, seven is God's number. And so all the way through John, he's doing that. And so there are seven times in John where Jesus makes an I am statement. You, you notice that? So I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. And he, he, he does that seven times in John. But often when he does that, he doesn't just say it. He also then acts it out. He does something in somebody's life to prove it. So he says, I'm the bread of life. And then what he does is he feeds 5,000 people miraculously. So he's not just saying, look, I'm the bread of life. What does that mean? It's like a nice metaphor. He's like, actually, I'm going to feed hungry people. See, I'm the bread of life. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And then he raises Lazarus from the dead and calls him out of the grave. And Lazarus comes alive again. And it's beautiful, isn't it? Because it means Jesus doesn't just say things. He does them. And he does them in people's lives. He does them with power and with impact. Theology is not just a kind of cold list of ideas. It's not just books. But it's it's power and impact working into people's lives. Truth about Jesus. And the one we're going to look at today is the same thing. Jesus is going to make a statement about who he is. And then he's going to demonstrate that in somebody's life, okay? And so the statement is in John 8 and verse 12. So hopefully it's on the screen. Look at that, we're flying. John chapter 8 and verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness... But we'll have the light of life. I'm the light of the world. He makes one of these I am statements. Okay. And the place where he makes this statement. Jesus is a really dramatic guy. Yes. Yeah? So every, everything he does is like well thought out and beautiful. And the place he makes this statement. Is at a big festival that they had. Called the Feast of Tabernacles. So in John chapter 8. It's the Feast of Tabernacles. And what they celebrated in this festival was they celebrated being led out of Egypt. And so the people had been slaves in Egypt. You know the story, like Prince of Egypt. Pharaoh gets smashed. The people come out, and they're going through the desert. And then God leads them as a pillar of fire. Yeah, so it's dark. It's the desert. They don't know where to go, and then... There's this pillar of fire in front of them and these two million people behind, they can see it and it, it says, let's go, because th-, there's no roads, which way are you going to go? So it goes, let's go this way and they follow this light, okay? And at the Feast of Tabernacles, that's what they're celebrating, that moment. And the way they celebrated it on the last day at nighttime, they would light lamps all over the city. It's like if you've ever seen Diwali in India, like a festival of light. They'd light lamps all over the city. And they would recite psalms like Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And they would dance around. So there'd be these lights and they'd be dancing around saying to each other, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And that's the festival. Sounds fun, doesn't it? Eh. And um, in this context... In that moment, Jesus stands up and he says, I am the light of the world. So it's really dramatic. All around are these lights. And he says, I'm the light that shines in the darkness. And what he's saying is the pillar of fire that led you out of Egypt through the desert towards the promised land, that's me. That's why he says in this verse, I'm the light of the world, whoever follows me. If he's a light, then follow him. He's going to lead you through the darkness. And it's a great picture for us, isn't it? At the times where we don't know where to go, we don't know what direction to move in, we feel like we're in the desert or in the darkness. Jesus says, I'm a light. Here I am, follow me. I'm going to lead you to a good place. Amen? So that's the statement and now like he always does he's gonna he's gonna act it out by doing that in someone's life being the light not just the light of the world but the light into somebody's life and that happens in John chapter 9 so in John chapter 9 it's the next day and they've not liked what Jesus has said and so they they try to stone him they try to attack him and kill him And he sneaks away out of that area with his disciples. And as they're sneaking away, he comes across a man who's been born blind. And so Jesus, he's supposed to be like running for his life, getting away. But he's distracted by this guy. He sees the need of this guy and he stops and he moves towards him. And in John chapter 9 and verse 5, he says this. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. He's making his statement again. And having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. And he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and he came back seeing. So this guy who had been blind his whole life is in a moment miraculously healed. And now he can see. So in a very physical sense... Jesus has been his light. He was in darkness his whole life. He couldn't see. And he's healed, and he sees Jesus. It's an amazing thing. But there's more to this story than just the physical healing. So in this story, this man who's been healed, he speaks seven times. So in John chapter 9, the man speaks seven times. He makes seven statements. And... As he speaks, he goes from blindness to seeing. He goes from not knowing who Jesus is, from ignorance about Jesus, to at the end, perceiving who Jesus is. And so each statement that he makes moves him a little bit further along in his revelation about Jesus. So he starts in verse 11 by saying, oh, he's just a man that they call Jesus. And then he says, he's a prophet. And then he says, I don't know who he is, but all I know is I was blind and now I see. And then he says, he's from God. And then finally, at the seventh time, he says, Lord, I believe. And he falls down and he worships him. So he makes this progressive movement from being blind about who Jesus is to seeing. And this happens by dialogue with Jesus and also by dialogue with other people, with his family, with his neighbors, about who Jesus is. And every time he opens his mouth, he moves forward in his understanding. So the physical healing happened straight away, but the, the, the spiritual opening of his eyes was progressive. There was a progressive revelation. And over time, these seven steps, he ends up being someone who sees, Lord, I believe, and he worships him. The other characters in this story are the Pharisees. Okay, And the Pharisees are the powerful, the privileged, the wealthy people, the guys who have all the Uh, cultural power they also speak seven times in this story it's interesting isn't it they speak seven times in this story and they go from seeing to blindness so the guy speaks seven times and he goes from blindness to seeing the pharisees speak seven times and they start being all sorted knowing all the answers we're the pharisees we know everything they start off seeing and they end up by the end the last thing they say is are we blind too so they move from seeing to blindness they get harder and harder against Jesus the more that they talk about what's going on and at the sixth time that they speak in verse 34 so this is chapter 9 and verse 34 the sixth time that they speak they say to the guy you were born in utter sin and would you teach us and they cast him out of the synagogue they excommunicate him and this was a huge price for the guy so think about it he's, he's been blind his whole life in one day he's had this amazing encounter with Jesus and he's been miraculously healed but more than that he's gone on a journey of understanding who Jesus is and then these guys come down on him and they say we are casting you out of the synagogue so for him in that culture in that context he loses everything in that moment Being written out of the synagogue books would mean no one's going to come to your house to visit you. No one's going to eat with you. No one's going to offer you work. Like people are going to consider you cursed from God, abandoned by God, shut off from him. He's been excommunicated, proper like shunned. No one's going to talk to you. You're ostracized. It's a public shaming that removes any resource that he had in the community. He loses everything. So he's found Jesus... But then he loses everything in our context working in the middle east this is often people's experience often people from a muslim background they'll encounter jesus but then as a result as soon as they tell their families often people will lose everything so in our church in istanbul where we were for many years Many of the people that came to faith with us, when they did tell their parents or their uncles or their cousins or their spouse, their dad would take them straight down to the lawyer's office, get out the books and say, I'm writing you out of my family. You're no longer my son. Often people would lose their jobs. Often people are written out of their inheritance. Often their father won't speak to them for 30 years, 40 years. So it's And this is this guy's experience here. He finds Jesus, but he loses everything else. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to find Jesus, but lose everything? This is this guy's experience. And then we come to the final verses in our story, from verse 35 here in chapter 9. Jesus heard that they'd cast him out of the synagogue, and having found him, He said to him, do you believe in the Son of Man? It's a weird question. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And um, what he's referencing is uh, the prophet Daniel. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel had prophesied that one day this character would come who was called the Son of Man. And the idea is that he was going to, fix everything that was broken and put the world right. He's going to come and judge things and make them right. That's, that's what Daniel prophesied. So it's like in a Western movie, you have a, a new sheriff in town. And the new sheriff in town, he turns up, he, he gets rid of all the bad guys, he sorts out all the mess, he fixes everything, and he puts it all right again. Takes everything that was broken and makes it right. New sheriff in town. We love that in our documentaries a little bit on TV, don't you? So you might have a super head teacher. And a super head teacher comes into a failing school that's in special measures. They're not getting any grades. Turns up, sorts out all the naughty kids, fires all the lazy teachers, fixes everything up, paints it all. And suddenly the school's amazing again. Super head. Or sometimes a super nanny, yeah, comes into your family, sorts out your messed up kids, sorts out the lazy dad wakes up the anxious mum, and suddenly everything's lovely again. It's a little bit Mary Poppins. And, and so we, we like this kind of character that comes into a broken situation and fixes everything and makes it right. And when Daniel prophesied the Son of Man is going to come, that's why he was prophesying, one is going to come who's going to judge everything, sort out the mess, fix what's broken, and make the world right again. And in these days, people were waiting for that kind of character. They were saying... I wonder when the Son of Man is. When's he going to come? Everything's such a mess. We need this kind of person to come. And so Jesus says to this guy, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Like, you've just healed my eyes. I'll believe anything you do. You know, just tell me what to believe. I'm there, you know. And Jesus said to him, You have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you. You've got eyes now. And you've seen him. the prophecy of Daniel was, behold, I saw the Son of Man. One day the Son of Man will be seen by his people. And Jesus says to this guy, you've seen him. It's me. I'm the one you've been waiting for. And it's he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. This is his seventh statement. And he worshiped him. And then Jesus makes this climactic statement. It's kind of a summary of the whole story. Jesus says this, verse 39 For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And so that's exactly what's happened in this story. The guy has spoken seven times and gone from blind to seeing. The Pharisees have spoken seven times and gone from seeing to blindness. And Jesus said, that's why I came into the world. I came to fix what is broken, to sort out the mess. I am light, come into the darkness. That's why I've come. And so you see this kind of two-edged sword coming down. And what Jesus is saying is, it's a repeated refrain in the Bible. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And what he's saying is, if, if you're too big, if you think you've got all the answers, if you're full of privilege... If you see yourself as big in the world, Jesus wants to make you a little bit smaller. If you see yourself as small and insignificant and marginal and not anything really, Jesus wants to make you a little bit bigger. So Jesus has come to make those who are too big a bit smaller, and he's come to make those who are too small a little bit bigger. Yeah, I, I, I might just need to act this out because it actually becomes really important in in church life. So I'm just going to grab a few of you. Can I grab you, please? Can I grab you, please? Can I grab you, please? That'd be great. There we go. Right. So this is the church, beautiful church, eh? And we come into church, and um, this guy is really wealthy. I don't know him at all, okay? So uh, he's really wealthy. He's got a degree from Oxford and another degree from Cambridge and he runs his own, is, am I close? He runs his own law firm. And so he comes in and he's just a big guy. Everyone looks at him like respect. He wears nice suits, Italian shoes. So he comes in and he's a big guy, okay? In the eyes of the world, high status, high influence, okay? You come into the world, you come into the church and you come in and you're a woman, not a man. Got that right. <laughs> and you've got no education. Uh, you've grown up uh, around here, lived around here your whole life. And actually, if you went to London, people would look at you and go, who are you and what are you doing here? And, and so you come in sometimes and you just think, I've got no skills. I've got no job. Uh, I've got no, nothing to contribute, really. And so you, you see yourself and other people see you as kind of really small. Okay, so can you be like really small, please? It's sad, isn't it? But the world's a little bit like that sometimes. Okay, And then you come in, and actually you've had, you know, she's had kind of a normal life, but in people's eyes it's small. You've actually had much worse than that. You've had a really broken life. You've been in and out of prison a few times, struggled with addiction. Um, you've, you've, you've tried to take your own life a few times. And you just feel a huge amount. Whenever you come into somewhere like church, you feel kind of shame, you feel like you don't fit in, so you you actually see yourself even smaller, okay? Now Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and you can't build, there's a few builders around, I know, you can't build on a foundation that looks like that, on a bit of, the whole thing's going to be wonky, so the first thing you've got to do is you've got to level the ground and get a flat bit of ground, and then you can build on it. And so that's why Jesus makes statements like this. He says, I've come into the world so that people that think they see, that have got it all together, I've come to make them a little bit smaller, to humble them, to challenge them, to provoke them. And so Jesus comes and he makes you just just gently in his Jesus way, but he humbles you a little bit and makes you a little bit smaller and you end end up about there. Perfect. Okay, with the spirit level of grace, yeah? There we go. And then... With you, he speaks into your life, brings you dignity and purpose. You understand you've got a role to play. You've got a contribution. You are a child of God. And so he makes you a little bit bigger, just a little bit bigger. There we go. Perfect. And then with you, he actually breaks into your life with power, uh, maybe on an encounter camp or something like that, does something miraculous and wonderful and lifts you up a long way from where you came from and the spirit level of grace lands you. And then you look at that and you think, Now I can build on that. Now we can build the church. Now we can build something beautiful. And so when Jesus comes into the world as the son of man to judge, that's what he's saying. He's saying, if you're too big, I wanna make you smaller. If you're too small, I wanna make you bigger. And if you see yourself as nothing, I wanna do something extraordinary in your life, like he does with this blind guy and lift you out of where you were. Bring you together into a community. And in this way, I can build something beautiful for the display of my glory. Amen. Thank you, guys. You can sit down. That was beautiful. (laughs) So we see just the final piece here of the Pharisees. Jesus says, For judgment I came in the world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. Verse 40, Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Are you saying we're blind? This is their seventh statement. They've come all the way down. Verse 41, Jesus said to them, if you were blind you'd have no guilt but now that you say we can see your guilt remains the very fact that that you think you know the bible that you think you know you can see means that you're guilty so until now the pharisees have only spoken to the other guy but about jesus but on on time number seven they actually speak to jesus himself and jesus he shames them he humbles them in front of everyone he rebukes them confirms their guilt and their blindness that they've brought upon themselves so that's the story so john is an artist and he's trying to show us what's happening here the guy speaks seven times goes from blind to seeing the pharisees speak seven times they go from seeing down to blind because jesus has come as the son of man to make a new world to make everything new to make everything a level playing field in the kingdom of god now this guy's story is our story when we read the Bible, it's like a mirror, and we see ourselves in it. This guy's story is like our story. He was blind from birth. We were all blind from birth. The, the Bible says in Romans one twenty-one that all of us, from the time we were born, we were spiritually blind. We're unable to perceive spiritual things. We're like puppies. You know, puppies are born blind, and for the first two weeks of their life, they're blind. And then with time, they open their eyes. We're, we're born like that. We're born kind of with our eyes closed, spiritually blind. But they don't just open with time. Jesus has to come and touch someone, like he does to this guy, and open their eyes. And make them spiritually alive again. And so, if you're here today, and you're baptized, and you're, you're, you're in Christ then that's what's happened. You've been touched by Jesus and he opened your eyes. And in that moment, in the moment of being born again, in the moment of being touched by Jesus, in that instant, we went from blind to seeing. We went from dead to alive. We went from eternally damned to eternally saved. We went from lost to found in one touch from Jesus in one moment. In that encounter with him, with Jesus the light of the world he breaks into your darkness and transforms everything but then the other thing this story teaches us is that beyond that after that like for this guy there is a gradual growing revelation and understanding of him you don't get it all at once you don't get born again and baptized age 4 and suddenly you know everything and you're sorted and you've arrived yeah that we're all on a journey of knowing him more of understanding him more And this guy grows by talking to Jesus and by talking to other people about Jesus in John chapter 9. And that's the same way that we grow. Every time you open your mouth to talk to Jesus or to talk to someone else about him, sometimes you can be surprised at what comes out of your mouth. You realize, wow, I've seen something more about him. I've seen something new about him. So your eyes are gradually opened. All of us, that's the journey that we're on. None of us in this life will fully understand it all and see it all. Uh, Tick, I've done the Jesus thing, let's move on to maths A-level or something, yeah? But it says one day we will see him face to face. And then we will know even as we are fully known. Now we see in part. That will be true. So that means however old you are, however long you've been a Christian, there's always something new to learn. Amen? We're on this journey of our eyes being gradually opened to the glory of who Jesus is over time we find that this guy like us he has to give testimony he has to stand up to people that don't like what he's saying he has to defend his faith all I know is I was blind and now I see yeah we all have to do that and we find that this guy has to pay a price for him it's a huge price he loses everything to follow Jesus But for all of us in following him, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. For all of us, there's a a cost, there's choices that we have to make that are difficult. And that is part of following him. So that's our story. And we see that it's also our story. I'd just like to land it by making a few statements about Jesus from what we've seen here. You see, right at the beginning of the Bible, almost the first words of the Bible is, the earth was dark and formless and void. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he divided the light from the darkness. So almost the first words in the Bible are, Into the darkness, God says, let there be light, and creation happens. And here, in the darkness of this guy's life, when you have the let there be light moment, it's like creation all over again. It's like a new creation breaking into this guy's life. God is building something new out of his darkness. It's a beautiful thing. So we're going to make some statements about Jesus And then we're going to pray. Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. Not just our light. The light of the whole world. The light of people who live in darkness. Who have never seen his light. Jesus can bring light into any darkness. And transform it completely. Amen. Jesus brings light into your darkness, into your despair, into your pain, into your hopelessness, into your family. His light can shine in your darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Amen? Jesus opens blind eyes those who you know who can't see him the people you're praying for the people you're witnessing to the people you're serving the people in your family who who can't see him yet it's Jesus that opens blind eyes you can't do it you pray he touches them he opens their blind eyes amen Jesus is the son of man he's the new sheriff in town he he comes in to fix what is broken and make things new that's true in your life it's true in the people you're serving it's true in your town it's true in the broken places around our nation he's the son of man Comes in, he takes those who are too big and he makes them smaller. He takes those who are too small and he lifts up their heads and gives them dignity and he makes a level playing field. Amen. Jesus is building his church, he's building his church right here, bringing people from different backgrounds big people and small people, putting them together, making them one in Christ Jesus, bringing grace, the great leveler that clears stuff out the way, makes a flat ground so that he can build something beautiful. Jesus is building his church, amen? Let's stand together and we're going to pray. Perhaps you'd just lift your hands.